How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome everybody to your second consecutive Anthony Irwin Free Locked On Lakers. I'm your host, Harrison Fagan. As I mentioned in the lead, Anthony Irwin is not with me today. He is still on vacation. And also, uh, he could have podcasted from the road, but things went so well while Bryant Freeze and I were podcasting about Avica Zubac's breakout campaign without Anthony yesterday that I decided to give him the boot again because, uh, I mean, who, you guys all know who the real superstar of this show is. So before I get into who's replacing him, I wanted to remind you that as always, you can find our full shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, St- Stitcher, TuneIn, and today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Use the promo code LOLAKERS for 20% off your first order. So today I have the pleasure of being joined by Tom Lewis of Indie Cornrows and Locked On Pacers. But before we get there, I wanted to update you guys on a little bit of business going on around the Lakers. So today, Larry Nance, he went through his first entire practice since hurting his knee. Yesterday, he made it through all of a practice except for the final drill. The training staff held him out. But he came back today, and he participated in a full practice. And there was this weird thing on Twitter where a bunch of people were tweeting out that he was listed as questionable for, by now, tonight's game on Friday against the Indiana Pacers. But it would appear that, but I get like 15 seconds later, the Lakers tweeted that he was out for the game and that he wasn't questionable. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious what happened there. If he was listed as questionable and then if he just ran into a door in front of the media scrum or just he, as he was listing himself as questionable, he tripped over like a camera wire and is now out. I don't, I don't know what happened exactly. No, but it's, it sounds like he's fine. And uh, he was actually feeling well enough to kind of share with all of us, uh, all of us outside, some nicknames that he has come up with for Avica Zubats during his media availability. Nicknames including, and Mark Medina of the LA Daily News was kind enough to type up a list of these on Twitter: Zu Alcindor, Kareem Abdul Zabar, Zu Aldang, Zulius Randall, Zwight Howard, Zu Williams. And Zupak, as a, because as quote according to Larry Zubots likes to insert himself in Tupac songs, two of America's most wanted. He's pretty smart about that. So, you know, if if Vitsa Zubots was not your favorite player on the Lakers before this podcast, I, I think 
this kind of stuff might sway you, or at least maybe sway you towards Larry Nance for coming up with this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I mean, this team, even though they haven't really been winning as much lately, they're still just so much more fun to cover than last year's team. I, I w- they're more fun to watch most nights. I mean, I guess there are times where it's more frustrating because they make kind of mistakes that young guys make, or they make kind of traditional mistakes. Yeah, just the mistakes of youth, really. And so I know that that can be frustrating, especially when they showed how good they can be by starting the season five or ten and ten at five hundred. But they just they aren't that team. Uh, they never were going to be that team. They fell back to earth. But the vibe around them is still so much more positive this year. And I, I mean, I think that I, I talk a little bit about this with Tom. I think they have a chance against the Pacers. I don't think that it's necessarily their most winnable game, but I, I think that they can maybe get it with maybe a little bit of help from that LA nightlife that everybody likes to credit whenever the uh, whenever an opponent loses to the Lakers and Staples Center this year. So, excuse me, I guess last update is the All-Star Game. So for the first time in 18 years, no Lakers will be in the All-Star Game. I feel pretty confident saying none were voted in as starters, which wasn't really a surprise because I don't think that Kobe was eligible. I'd actually be curious to see where his votes ended up, even though the NBA, I guess, they weren't tabulating them publicly. But I would be very curious to see how how many votes he would have gotten from fans that just didn't end up being counted because you know I you see a lot of people jokingly tweeting Kobe Bryant hashtag NBA vote you see oh and then there are a lot of diehard diehard Kobe fans so it wouldn't surprise me if he actually got a somewhat significant total I don't think he would have started the All Star game by any means but I'd be interested to see how many he got but obviously none of the Lakers young guys got enough votes although some of them did they they did get some which is kind of surprising because the players have a vote this year. And so Brandon Ingram got two votes. Julius Randle got three, I believe. D'Angelo Russell got one. Clarkson got one. Nance got one. Nick Young got two. Tarek Black got two. Thomas Robinson got one. Jose Calderon got two. Luol Dang got one. And Marcelo, Marcelo the Catalyst Huertas got one. And... I mean, that's amazing. Kudos to Stephen Curry for giving Marcelo a vote after he completely shut him down last season. So that was really nice of him. And Timothy Mozgov and Randall, again, led the team with three, which is... Uh, that's pretty amazing. The The fans have really embraced Timo. I think the biggest surprise is that Avica Zubats didn't get any. So... Major snub on the players, media, and fan votes part, but I'm sure that he'll get them back for that. So that pretty much does it before I get to my conversation with Tom. But before we go there, I really quickly wanted to talk to you guys about Mac Weldon. They've been kind enough to sponsor our program from pretty much the very beginning, and it, quite frankly, it's better than whatever you're wearing right now. I wear Mac Weldon every time I go out to be credentialed for an event or games. They, they were kind enough to send us some credit to go buy some free stuff so that we could test it out and endorse it honestly. And I honestly can say that it is the most com- it's some of the most comfortable socks and underwear I've ever worn because I know that you guys all tuned in to listen to me talk about my underwear. And again, like I said, it's better than whatever you're wearing right now. It could not be easier to order from their website. You just go there. It's really easy to find what you're looking for. It's all simply labeled. You can search for underwear, socks, clothing, whatever you want to get. 
and it's the like I said, the website's seamless. You put it in your cart, you enter the promo code LO Lakers, and you get a twenty percent rebate off your first purchase, which is you know that's not nothing. That's that's like you know that's basically free money, and it it basically it knocks the price tag down, and it, it makes it even easier to get what I think again is some of the best clothing that I've ever owned. And again, I say that honestly. So now and again. Promo code LO Lakers, 20% off your first order. Now, before I stumble over my words anymore, let's just go ahead and throw to my interview with Tom. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay, I am here with Tom Lewis of Indie Cornrows and Locked On Pacers. How's it going, Tom? Uh, going great, Harrison. Great talking with you. Getting ready for a, another big game. Yeah, I think I think huge, huge rivalry game between the two <laughs> participants of the 2000 NBA Finals. I think I, I, they've definitely kept that going since then. Oh, absolutely. The history is unbelievable between these two. Yeah, there, there's just there's definitely a lot of it. No, but so. <laughs> Part of the reason I wanted to bring you on today is not just because the Lakers are playing against the Pacers tomorrow, but although we'll get into previewing that game, but I wanted to start off with kind of an easier question and just ask you, why is Paul George going to force a trade to the Lakers or join them in free agency? Well, you know, it's imminent, right? He's got that <laughs> SoCal blood. It's kind of funny, you know, if uh, you're from Boston or um, all these other areas always have a, a good angle to get Paul George on their on their team, but obviously uh, uh, the most natural uh, team to be pining for his services would be uh, the Lakers, that's for sure, or the Clippers. You know, he at times has claimed that he grew up as a Clippers fan, although he was a Kobe fan. So um, I think he likes to keep his options open. <laughs> yeah, know, but... he he was just, he was just a basketball in Los Angeles fan. Who whoever was in front of him at the time, I guess. Yeah, that sounds like a typical response day to day depending upon what he's thinking with the media. <laughs> So I know like earlier in the season, I remember, you know, there were a lot of headlines going around of Paul George calling out the team, saying they needed to be better, all that stuff. People were starting to speculate if there was going to be some if he was going to try and force some type of trade, because I think most people assumed Larry Bird was not going to trade him. That just like rebuilding wasn't something he wanted to do. But people were wondering, I think, if Paul George was going to try and force his hand. But since then, the Pacers, the Pacers have been a little bit better lately, right? They're seven and three in their last 10 games. They have the 11th best net rating in the league over that time uh, what what's changed for indiana yeah they, they really have started playing better they are still a, a flawed team and have issues but they have found a way to play better one of the main reasons they're playing better is uh, monte ellis was in the starting lineup early in the season and then um in early december he went down with an injury, not sure if it was a real injury or if Nate McMillan wanted to make a starting lineup change and didn't want to make it a public demotion of Monte. <laughs> but however it happened, it happened. Uh, they slid Glenn Robinson the third in at the shooting guard, and what it did was uh, free up Jeff Teague. And Teague has been exceptional since uh, Monte has been out of the starting lineup, uh, whereas before both those guys kind of need the ball in their hand, 
and Teig, you know, was kind of easing his way into a new situation here and really played poorly uh, the first couple weeks of the season. Um, but, you know, if you look at uh, his numbers, just I guess that was you know, about six, six or seven weeks there with Monte in the starting lineup. I think he had one double-double, and since then he's had eight. And, and that doesn't even uh, count a 17-assist night he had on a, on a poor shooting night in Chicago. So 17-assists, uh, that's crazy. He's averaging, it looks like, 16-8 and eight for the season, which is, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and you know, just in January, I think he's you know closer to uh, 17 and 10, and uh, just been really consistent. Uh, he can get in the lane and, and create, and that's taken the burden off of Paul George, who was uh, feeling in November as though he was going to have to do everything if this team was going to win, and uh, that's really not in his makeup, unfortunately, and. Uh, uh, so you get Teague going, which frees up Paul George. And then also, uh, you know, 20-year-old center Miles Turner just continues to progress and has made great strides and really is playing well of late as well. So what do you make of the whole Paul George situation then? Does he seem like he's happier now? Does it Because with the new CBA, it's now all of a sudden incredibly advantageous for all these guys to stay with their current teams. And do you get the sense that he's happier there now? Yeah, and I, I think I've always gotten the sense that, you know, um, he would stay, obviously, if he could meet the requirements for that designated player exception uh the <laughs> the amount of money to stay uh would make it a no-brainer and uh, on his inconsistency this year uh some of his struggles you know make you think yeah do you want him to be the guy that you're going to be paying that money to for the long term um and also you know he may not make uh that all pro team that he needs to to uh reset designation so that will create a whole new <laughs> uh, set of circumstances you know he's signed through this year and then next year um so really you're, you're talking about a year and a half still before anything could happen but the Pacers could extend them this summer which would be ideal um it, it is hard to say it, you know you hear from uh, people, not Paul, but, you know, people who hear from people who know Paul, <laughs> you know, that he might want to move on. And I can see where he would want to team up, you know, a la Kevin Durant um, in a good situation with another superstar uh, if he can't get one to join him in Indy. Um, even though on the surface he only talks about wanting to you know, be like Reggie Miller State and be, you know, be the franchise guy and, and carry the team um, to that championship caliber uh, team. Um, but, you know, there's just something that is a little squishy about him. It's hard to explain. And um, Well, I mean, guys kind of have to say that publicly for the most oh, yeah. part, right? I mean, yeah. like, like everybody wants to stay with their – like Kevin Durant wanted to – you know, build a community in Oklahoma City until he didn't, you know? 
and that's the thing. It's like you you kind of figure, um, you know, the way I kind of read it is if he meets those requirements to get the big money, yeah, he's going to stay. If not, you know, I think he's going to explore his options, and I guess anybody would do that if they're in the same situation. Uh, doesn't mean he he wouldn't come back completely, but uh, it it opens the door, opens a crack, you know, <laughs> for uh, him exiting, and that that creates a, a whole new situation. Yeah, I mean, they, he'd certainly be uh, he, he'd be a perfect fit uh, uh, with the Lakers and kind of the way that you project them to grow. But we're a long way away from that, and they'd have to have the cap space to be able to sign him, and it's just like a whole complicated situation. But I just remember. At the time earlier this season when they were really struggling that a lot of people were talking about trying to trade for him and all this and that and you know it feels like that's probably off the table at least for this year I would imagine right yeah I I would think so for sure Um, I would the only way I could see something happening would be in the summer um, if you know they get negotiating on an extension or um, you know even if he's not the designated player and, you know, there's just that, um, I would think, you know, he would be, uh, in a situation with bird, they're pretty direct that, you know, if you're going to explore other options, great. Here, I'll let you go. <laughs> I can see bird flipping it around and, and starting looking then, but, uh, during the season, uh, that would be a shock. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of just from afar the sense that I w- I got. Although the Lakers and Pacers do have a history of making blockbuster deals over the off season, like last summer when the you know they obviously completed that huge just NBA shaking Roy Hibbert trade. Oh, wow, you guys really were, uh, got the best of that one, didn't you? Yeah, I mean he just he really he certainly made his mark in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, he, he's great for keeping the floor clean, you know, that, that always helps with Roy. He definitely kept the area around the basket very clean with his constant sliding across it <laughs> because he couldn't stay upright. But no, I, I don't want to sit here and crap on Roy for a whole podcast. But, you know, aside from all of this, you know, Paul George stuff and whatever, you know, we could talk about and speculate on free agency forever. But as far as tonight's game, by the time that everybody's listening to this on Friday, the Lakers are playing the Pacers what do you what are you looking for from the Pacers against the late like should this be just kind of an automatic win for them are they playing that well boy it'd be nice to say it it would be an automatic win but this team on the road um, has been brutal this year and uh, the hope is that they beat uh, Sacramento after a first half where they were as I said, brutal, down 22 points, were able to rally and win, you know, maybe they can build some momentum off of that uh, because they've been playing really well at home, uh, again, since since the whole lineup shift. Uh, they've been uh, exceptional at home, but on the road have, have struggled. Now, they're also a team that doesn't seem to handle uh, success real well, and almost the fact that they uh, won that game in Sacramento, all of a sudden puts this later game up for grabs because, oh, great, they're going to have a day off in L.A. That's what uh, I was going to say. I just went and checked the schedule, and I, I was checking for that that 
very feared around the NBA day off in LA. <laughs> and that's exactly, exactly what they're doing today when we're recording this on Thursday is they have the day off. So, and they're in Los Angeles, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I do know they spent the night in Sacramento, which was probably a, a smart move, but they weren't going to practice. So I'm sure they're down there, you know, at some point in the early afternoon. Um, now earlier in the year, uh, they played really well against the Clippers. They had, I think, three full days in L.A., um, which was really frightening. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, see, that's that's good. They got it out of they got everything out of their exactly. system the first day. They enjoyed all of the Los Angeles attractions, and then they had a couple days to recover. Yeah, but now you're looking at okay, yeah, we got a game tomorrow, but man, this is our last time in L.A. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to. Uh, uh, hold off on the temptations. Uh, but anyways, it, you know, it doesn't matter who they're playing um, in these situations where they kind of are able to exhale, for lack of a better term, even though in the East there's no room to exhale if you want to be in the playoffs, which they do. Uh, but uh, they just can't seem to uh, be a, a tough-minded team when they need to, when they can really, you know, step on throats and, and make some progress. So, uh, the idea that they were able to bounce back and win that game in Sacramento gives hope to the fact that they might be able to uh, put it together again and take care of business. Yeah, I mean, also giving them hope is just kind of how brutal the Lakers have been lately. They've been giving up, uh, over their last 10 games, 112.6 points per 100 possessions, which is all, which is worse than their already league-worst defense. So... I mean, that that should probably, I would imagine, give the Pacers a little bit of hope. And they're the sixth seed in the East right now. Do, do you see them kind of holding on and winning games like this to be able to kind of force their way into the playoffs? Yeah, I think they should be able to hold on to a playoff spot the way the East is rolling out. Now, their schedule uh, pretty much for the whole of January uh, is really light, and they have been taking advantage of it. They need to finish it off, uh, obviously, uh, and then they should be in good position to, you know, almost just play 500 ball from there on out and make it uh, the way the East is going. Uh, but, it, you know, it also have some veteran guys that, you know, health concerns could be an issue. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made some kind of a move at the trade deadline because, as I mentioned, I mean, they do have flaws. or They struggle rebounding the ball. They could really use some more Perimeter shootings, you know, the, the bench has been a problem in a lot of games. They just don't have that depth uh, of guys uh, to score and play defense. Uh, so th- there could be a move to be made. Um, we'll see. Uh, but I do think they should be in the mix for a playoff spot. What are you, specifically out of the game tonight, what are you looking for from them against the Lakers? Really, and you can almost see it from the get-go, is is a team moving the ball and just playing with, you know, some sense of urgency and effort. Uh, a lot of times, you know, Paul George gets a bad rap when he plays poorly because he is a smooth player. And uh, a lot of times it looks like he's not even trying. Uh, and then when he turns the ball over and it looks like he's not trying, um, it, it's a bad is a bad body language um, situation, and, and it seems to uh, 
really turn people against that team. But when they have the energy and Teague is attacking and uh, getting the ball moving and they're not just pounding it and trying to do one-on-one stuff, uh, they've been successful against any team. So I guess just coming out and jumping at the opportunity to get on this Laker team and put them down and make the game easier for themselves uh, is really what I'm looking for from the tip. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are really looking to kind of get back. They're, they're looking to just get one in the win column. They've lost their last five games. They're they're really struggling, but I, I think – a quick kind of attacking point guard like T might be just the type of thing that can give them trouble because we've had a joke going around the whole year that basically if you play daily fantasy or if you're just playing on your fantasy (laughs) team, you just start whatever point guard is playing against the Lakers because they've just let guys get off for career nights on a regular basis. So what is going on with this team? Because, you know, we saw them really early in the season – uh, November 1st, it was the, the fourth game of the year, and uh, the Lakers created quite a bit of panic around here because uh, the Pacers won the game, but uh, with two minutes left, the Lakers had rallied back and taken the lead, and it was one of those, oh, my gosh, Pacers can barely beat the Lakers. They're going to be horrible. Uh, you know, and then, and then right after that, uh, the Lakers went out, had a nice win against Atlanta, beat Golden State. You're looking at those young players and thinking, well, you know, they're not that bad. And um, just I was just looking at the record. It seemed like since the 1st of December, they've only won five games. Is that right? Yeah, they went 10-10 and 10 to start the year and then went 5-21 and 21 since then. So that's really been – it's been almost two separate seasons and two separate teams. There was the fun kind of young upstart team of the first 20 games that was really – kind of blowing teams out of the water, sort of like not really blowing teams out, but shocking teams kind of coming in off the bat, playing with more energy than teams were prepared to see from them. Just being, mm-hmm. they weren't the Lakers of last year that would just kind of roll over in the first quarter a lot of the time and you'd just be on your way to an easy win. And so I think that probably caught some teams off guard. I think the fact that they were, they're still so young, but the fact that they were so young and playing so well, I don't think that teams were ready for them. I don't think that teams knew what the Luke Walton Lakers were going to look like. So I think that that kind of gave them an Mm -hmm. advantage. And now I think since then teams definitely have tried to take things away that the Lakers do well. They've done a better job of kind of forcing them into situations where, you know, like where they have to move the ball a little bit more, move the ball to people that they aren't comfortable moving it to, or get into their secondary actions, which they aren't kind of running incredibly smoothly yet. And uh, the other thing is they started to have some injuries that really derailed them. D'Angelo Russell hurt his knee, and so he was in and out of the lineup for a little while, and he still might be a little gimpy. He might just you know not be earning playing time with Luke. It might be a combination of both. But he's a big thing over the last couple of games is I think he's played like just under four minutes in fourth quarters over the last like three or four games. And so he's him and Rand, Julius Randle got benched down the stretch the other night as the Lakers tried to come back. And so there's been kind of that stuff going on. They've had other injuries too. Tarek Black is not a lot is not a guy that a lot of people know, but he was really helping out the team's bench. He missed some games. He's back now. Now Larry Nance Jr. is out, and he's kind of been a key cog for the Lakers' second best net rating on the team. And so they, they've just they've had injuries. I think the league got used to them. 
And I think that's kind of long story short of what's really changed for them. And they, they just they have to make adjustments and they haven't really done it well enough yet or they may not have the personnel to make enough adjustments to just be at that pace that they were to start the year. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. I mean, you know, I, I spoke about the Pacers bench being a problem pretty much all year. And that that's what killed them in that first game. I mean, Lou Williams and Jordan Clarkson lit them up and. Uh, Black and Nance played really well as well, and they just really kind of shocked the Pacers and, and took over that game, got them back in it. Yeah, that so, Lakers that Lakers bench was actually the real positive storyline of early in the year. The starters were secretly not that great, or I guess not so uh-huh. secretly, but the bench was just coming in and roasting teams. They had like one, of, it, they had one of the best, I think, net ratings for a five-man lineup in the league. Just that Lakers bench of Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., Tarek Black, Jordan Clarkson, and Lou Williams, and they were just killing guys. And then injuries started to disrupt that. Luke tried for a little while. He tried everything he could, starting anyone but those bench guys to keep that bench unit together and try and ride that kind of, I guess, unexpected magic that they had. But eventually he had to start staggering lineups a little bit. I think, you know, I, I think injuries, like I said, have taken their toll. And the, the But the the Lakers had the opposite problem that the Pacers did. They had a great bench. And then now it's kind of, it's kind of flipped. The starters have been a lot better. And the bench have been kind of losing the Lakers' leads or not really been able to play as well, other than the last game in which the bench is the kind of the team that brought them back, including a guy that you said that you wanted to talk about, Avica Zubats. Got to hear about Zubats. I mean, so you have two 19-year-olds, right? Yes, Ingram and Zubats are both 19. <laughs> and, and, and now getting minutes. So, you know, I guess when things aren't going well, you got guys like that to glom on to. But is Zubats just becoming a cult hero? He's kind of been a cult hero since Summer League. He was getting... Ah, uh, Summer yeah, League. <laughs> yeah, Summer League, the place where dreams and careers and whatever are made. But he, he, he's been a cult hero since Summer League. He kind of came in and nobody really knew who he was on draft night. And he came into Summer League. People didn't really know what to expect from him. They had kind of heard he was raw. And then he was really good. He was actually, like, he was good defensively. He was good as a pick-and-roll guy on offense. And there were signs there that, like, Okay, this is the Lakers might actually like have a player here and he's 19 and doing this in summer league and you know he's just been a fan favorite I think as much for his play which has been shockingly good whenever he's gotten minutes either with the Lakers or the defenders he's kind of surpassed I think low expectations but then also for his quotes he's just kind of endlessly quotable his first real introduction <laughs> to the media was at summer league and he got dunked on by, oh, I forget who it was on the Sixers, but somebody changed his Wikipedia page to say that he died. And so I asked him after the game, I, I told him about that during the press conference, and he just goes, I feel like I did a little bit. And then he gets into, like, you know, just since then, he's kind of been on a tear of just these confident quotes and just, uh, you know, Laker fans have really grown to uh, really love him and over the last week, he's really kind of he played really well in garbage time against the Spurs. He got like some extended run that night, fifteen minutes. Then he kind of briefly came in against the Clippers. He hit a sky hook, which everybody got really excited about. Played a little bit versus the Detroit Pistons. Was good in those limited minutes. And then Walton just kind of decided to roll him out against Denver. He got twenty six minutes that night. Had his first career double double, eleven and thirteen. Had three blocks, one steal. 
uh, and you know was and even got on Nick Young for missing shots late. Like he was saying, oh, I'm not going to pass to you again. <laughs> And so he's kind of quickly become a cult phenomenon out here. I'm actually curious to see him get some minutes against uh, Miles Turner if that ends up being a thing against the Pacers. Oh, yeah. Well, sounds good. <laughs> I mean, Turner's uh, obviously a much better prospect, has proven a lot more as of right now, but I'd just be curious to see them kind of play against each other because Zubat's kind of held his own at moments against Jokic, who's also been one of those unicorn guys appearing across the NBA. Oh yeah, you know I, I actually would would love to see that as well because Turner has been recently uh, going up against some vets. Mentioned Jokic, mentioned um, Anthony Davis, and then uh, Boogie Cousins, and has fared a lot better than he had in the past. So it'd be interesting to see how he approaches a younger guy who you know he may have a, a tactical advantage on on. Um, See if he can, uh, you know, apply some some of that stuff he's been learning. Because uh, really, for him, it's the, the physical piece, the strength. I'm sure it's similar for Zubats, um, where you know you got to get your your body and your game used to all the physical play with those vets, and then still be able to, you know, let your skill come through. Yeah, and it's gonna, I think it'll be kind of fun because both of them are guys who I think they, they both have a little bit of a post-up. But I, I, Turner, I think, is a little bit better off the dribble just from my limited kind of time watching him. I've actually really liked his game. But they both kind of like to space the floor as well. And so yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see them guard each other, how far out they head, if one of them ends up getting an advantage through their kind of perimeter shooting. I, it looks like Turner hasn't shot as many threes as I thought maybe he would this year. It looks like uh, 1.7 over the last uh, couple games. But, you know, has he been? Has he become a real threat from there? Uh, yeah, you know, he was shooting in the, in the high 40s from three for a while, he cooled off a little bit. I, I that's think crazy. that's taken the edge off of uh, some of his attempts, but he definitely has expanded his range out because last year he didn't shoot that many. Um, but he's definitely uh, put that in. That's another thing. He and Teague have been really working well on uh, pick and pop, and uh, not always for a three, but uh, his his you know post game is definitely limited. Uh, he's you know, trying to uh, go to uh, school with Al Jefferson and get some post moves, but um, he's still much more comfortable facing up and uh, is really willing to pull the trigger from uh, the perimeter. But uh, he he'll he'll let it fly from three now, and uh, uh, hopefully he can get get that stroke back. You know, he's going through a little bit of a dip, but I mean, he was shooting at a, a ridiculous rate there for a while. Yeah, he's well. He's been really good. I, I looked up the numbers for the last. Uh, uh, looks like seven games, and he had uh, in January, and he shot sixty six point seven percent from three in January. Yeah. So that's so, that's pretty good. And Z- Zubat shoots threes in the D League. I don't believe he's shot one in the NBA yet, but he's very confident in his stroke. And I, I think it'll be fun to kind of see those two go up against each other. And we're gonna look like idiots having spent like five to eight minutes on this if Walton ends up deciding <laughs> to not play him at all. So that we'll, we'll hey, see I how that ends it. up. Let me going. tell you, I can't I can't get enough about Zubat. So 
Yeah, he, I mean, he's just, he really has been a phenomenon out here. And I, I, I think he's going to be good. I, I don't, I don't know how good. I don't think that, I think some fans are getting a little bit carried away with the Marcus All comparisons <laughs> already. You can kind of see the aesthetic similarities in some ways, but Marcus All is really, really good. Like, let's, <laughs> let's hold off on comparing him to Marcus All. I, I think he will be a starter at some point, though. Not this year, unless there are injuries, but, during his career, I think he'll he'll at the very least be a solid starter. I think I've seen enough from him between the D League, Summer League, and the NBA to kind of project that I I think he's going to be pretty good. And just how much he's improved as a defender already, like forty games into his rookie season. Uh, real quick, one more thing because I had uh, someone had sent me an email about this, uh, considering the Pacers going down. And, you know, the natural concern with Pacers fans is oh, now they're going to blow the game to the Lakers after a good win in Sacramento. But um, uh, this email mentioned that now the Lakers are tanking now. They they want to get their draft pick, you know, is protected and what, top three? Yeah, so top they're probably three dumping games. But uh, is that, you know, what's the thought on that, I guess? So Laker Nation, <laughs> my my thoughts on tanking this year are that I think there's kind of an acceptable way to tank in my mind, and it's play your young guys, give them minutes, and just kind of see what happens. And mm-hmm. I, I think and like don't overplay vets, you know, trade assets if you have them. The Lakers haven't done that part yet, but for the most part. They've played their young guys. Their young guys are all getting pretty solid minutes. Other than Russell, uh, over the last little bit, he has kind of been, like I mentioned earlier, he's been benched in fourth quarters, and that's something that they're probably going to need to change the further that they fall from playoff contention. But for the most part, they're playing their young guys. Brandon Ingram is leading all rookies in minutes. And so I don't know really what else you can do to tank short of telling your team to lose games or telling Luke Walton to deliberately make bad rotation decisions to lose games Mm -hmm. and I don't think that the Lakers are going to do either of those things because NBA teams I don't think really do either of those teams very outside of kind of exceptional circumstances and I think that they're trying to get any momentum they can going forward and any positivity they can for these young guys and give them some wins so they can continue to see rewards and continue to work on developing themselves so I don't think that they're really I don't think that they're outright tanking. They're trying to lose games, kind of like that. It sounded like that email mentioned a little bit. I think they right. they love to keep their pick. I think they'll be bad enough to like be in range to keep their pick. But it's like if you look at the odds to keep right. it, even if you have one of the worst three records, it's like a barely weighted coin flip because I, I don't think that they're going to get – the worst record in the league. Brooklyn is one of the worst NBA teams I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure yeah. they have that locked up. And Brooklyn only has a 64.3% chance to keep their pick if they end up in the top three. If you go down to t- to two, then it's 55.8% chance. If you go down to three, then it's 46.9. So if you're in that two or three spot, it's basically like a coin flip to keep your draft pick. The Lakers are now in the fourth spot, so they've continued to drop, but... I mean, I, there's not just a he, I mean, there's percentage points of difference, obviously, 
but not I don't think it's worth for the Lakers, you know, trying deliberately trying to lose games and letting these guys build bad habits and not getting on them when they make mistakes and things like that. I think they're going to lose enough anyway to be in range to keep their pick and I don't think that they can be bad enough to lock up that worst record. So I just I, I don't think it's really worth it for them to deliberately do anything to tank more than they're already kind of doing, which, you know, just by virtue of playing their young guys, they kind of are tanking because young guys just don't win games in the NBA generally. Right. Yeah. And you definitely don't want to, uh, <laughs> you know, hamper what they're doing, trying to build um, with those guys. Cause then, you know, as you see in Philly with a lot of their guys, you, you start creating bad habits and uh, then you start losing a generation of picks uh, before you get the new ones in there, so yeah, I mean, would uh, it be great for the Lakers to keep their pick? Of course, they'd lo- they'd probably love to get that pick instead of sending it out to Philly. Not and then not only would that kind of keep their pick this year, but it would also the first rounder that they owe to Orlando. It would turn that into two seconds. So would it be valuable okay. for them to keep their pick? It would be great, but I don't think that they they can really do much other than what they're already doing to keep that pick. Yeah, and there's so many teams jumbled up there, too. I mean, heck, win five in a row, he might be right in the playoff race. So. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> they could do that. Or, you know, if they lose another couple, then they're probably in that third odds because Phoenix has been playing a little bit better. But I just yeah. don't think that the Lakers My, – Miami is horrible, and Brooklyn, like I said, is like one of the worst. I, I've watched the Lakers the last two years, and I think Brooklyn's one of the worst teams I've ever seen. So just kind of – like let that kind of sink in, and I I don't think that they can catch Brooklyn. Maybe they could catch Miami. I don't think that they really can at this point. Miami I think is pretty much going full tank mode now. So yeah, I think they're going to blow it up. Shutting down Justice Winslow, having him, letting him have that surgery. I think you're probably going to see some trades from Miami. So really, yeah. the best the Lakers can hope for as far as draft lottery odds is if you're rooting for them to keep the pick is third worst record in the NBA. And then you only have like less than a 50% chance to keep your pick. And so is it worth kind of building bad habits and doing anything more than what the Lakers are already doing to get those odds? I I don't think that it is for them. And I don't think that they think that it's worth it. Yeah. Just let basketball take care of itself. Yeah. I mean, if they were trying to tank, well, well, I guess this argument could kind of cut both ways. I was going to say, if they were trying to tank, they wouldn't have signed Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov this past offseason. But those guys have been bad enough that, I don't know, maybe that was a stealth tank. <laughs> All right, well, uh, so what you're saying is they're not going to roll over for the Pacers. Indiana's going to have to actually come out and earn the win. Well, you never really know with this team because they they might end up rolling over anyway, but we'll we'll see how it goes. I I think they're going to come out with some fire. I think they seem to have some positivity. They seem to have taken some positivity away from their near win against the Nuggets. I think Zubats' kind of emergence seemed to kind of raise the mood in the locker room because he's a guy that's very well liked by everyone on the team. And so I think they're going to come out with some fight. I think they're going to battle the Pacers, but we'll end up, we'll see how effective that ends up being. They're definitely they're going to need more from Russell and Randall than they've been getting. All right. Well, looking forward to it, especially that Turner Zubats matchup. Yeah, it's going to be really funny if Zubats doesn't end up playing because we, <laughs> <laughs> with how much we've mentioned him. But he's been the story around the Lakers this past week, so it's all it's always fun talking about him. And I, I really appreciate you coming on, Tom. <laughs> All right, great talking with you, Harrison. Looking forward to the game. All right, talk to you later. 